You are planning a trip to Sierra Leone to do medical humanitarian work. What vaccines do you need? Where can you find out? You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Today we are discussing travel medicine. In this show, we will be focusing on immunizations for travel. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Michael Benson. With me today is Dr. Phyllis Kozarski. Dr. Kozarski is an expert consultant in the Division of Global Migration and Quarantine at the Centers for Disease Control. She is also a professor of medicine and infectious disease in the Department of Medicine at Emory University. She is one of the editors of the CDC's Medical Guide for Travel Medicine, Yellow Book. Welcome, Dr. Kozarski. Thank you very much. So can you go over for our audience some of the immunizations recommended for travel? I know it's a a long list and it depends on the country, but give us uh, some general idea of what's available. Sure. Uh, We'll start with immunizations that are required by the international health regulations. And for the most part, the only immunization that is required to either enter certain countries of the world or to transit certain countries is the yellow fever vaccine. Yellow fever areas of the world include those in sub-Saharan Africa and some in tropical South America. And therefore, sometimes the yellow fever vaccine is required by law. People have to carry documentation of that if they're entering certain countries or transiting certain countries. In rare instances, the meningitis shot, that for the protection against meningococcal meningitis, is required, and that is primarily when one travels on a pilgrimage to the Hajj for the annual Muslim pilgrimage. For the most part, otherwise, immunizations are recommended for certain kinds of travel. And we say yes for travel to certain kinds of countries, but it does depend on an individual's risk. For example, someone may be traveling to Thailand and staying in a five-star hotel in Bangkok, and another person going to the Thai-Burmese border to work in a refugee camp, and somebody else might be traveling to the south to go to the beach. Although it's the same country, the risks are different, and therefore they may want to get different kinds of vaccines. So the first thing we do, other than those that are required, is we look at those that are recommended, and we divide those into those immunizations of worldwide importance versus those of a special importance. The key to those of worldwide importance is that everybody be protected against those diseases for which they may be exposed no matter where they are. In other words, one needs to make sure they're immune to things like measles. Measles is all over the world in the developed and developing world. So people need to be up to date with their routine immunizations, whether it's the measles, whether it's their DT, whether it's their mumps, whether it's their flu shot, people should be up to date with those. Then we look at the special vaccines for international travel. And some of them include, as mentioned before, the meningococcal meningitis vaccine. There is a meningitis belt in sub-Saharan Africa where it comes in waves every year in the, during the dry season. Typhoid vaccine, there are two of those, an oral vaccine and a shot, depending on certain circumstances where people may be exposed to typhoid. There are rabies vaccines. There's those for Japanese encephalitis protection. Uh, And there are those for 
hepatitis as well, and we know very well of the hepatitis A and B vaccines. So those are some examples of special vaccines that we consider in travel. Now, I want to review some of these vaccines specifically. So Saudi Arabia, I gather, is probably the only country in the world that requires written proof of a meningococcal vaccine? During the annual pilgrimage, the Hajj, where millions of people are in a very small area, it has been shown that because meningococcus lives in the pharynx and it may be easily transmitted during those circumstances, that it's best to use the vaccine for protection. So that's an entry requirement for Saudi Arabia? Yes, it is during the Hajj. So all those people, even from Middle Eastern countries, actually have to have written proof of their meningeal caucus vaccine or they won't be allowed entry? Yes. That's very amazing to me. Another question that I have is the yellow fever vaccinations. How many are they? How effective are they? Over what period of time do they have to be given? When do they take effect? And just the last question is, how long is the immunity good for? The yellow fever vaccine has been in its current state since probably the 1940s. It's a very, very effective vaccine. And when one gets the stamp saying that they've had this vaccine, so individuals who need it have to go to a certified yellow fever vaccine provider, it is valid from 10 days after the vaccine for 10 years. Actually, immunity probably lasts a whole lot longer for that, and in some people, probably for life. But for all practical purposes and for regulations, international health regulations, one needs the vaccine every 10 years if you're going to continue to be traveling to areas where the disease is endemic. The vaccine, as mentioned, is a very, very effective vaccine in preventing yellow fever. And the only issue is that over the last 10 years or a little bit more, it has been recognized that there appear to be some serious adverse events to this vaccine. It is a live vaccine, and we don't believe, however, that it is just because of better surveillance that there are more adverse, serious adverse events being recorded, but there might be something else that we're not sure about why this is happening. But there's been probably a few handfuls of both multi-organ system failure events due to the vaccine where it's almost as though there is a yellow fever-like illness that comes about with it. It's called viscerotropic disease, as well as a neurologic events that can occur following this vaccine. Again, extremely rarely. We're talking about 0.5 in 100,000 or something like that. Rare events that have occurred. So that In these rare events, especially the viscerotropic ones, tend to occur when people are older. Usually those who are older than 60 and in those who have not had the vaccine previously. Sometimes people have found that they have T-cell immune problems, a history of thymus disease or post-thymectomy. And so these are all areas of investigation right now, very active investigation. But for the most part, the vaccines have been very, very safe over time. It's the same vaccine that's been given for many, many years, and it is still required in many circumstances. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson, and my guest is Dr. Phyllis Kozarski, a national recognized expert on travel medicine, discussing immunizations for travel. 
How far in advance of the trip does one need to give the yellow fever vaccine? At least 10 days prior to entering an area with yellow fever. How many vaccines are required? It's just one. It's just one every 10 years. What about vaccinations in pregnant travelers? I know for sure we're going to have to talk about this yellow fever business because it's a live virus. So what's the scoop on that? When can we give it to our pregnant patients, if ever? And, of course, what about during nursing as well? Well, as as you know better than I do, one never likes to give a pregnant woman anything, and certainly not in the first trimester. Uh, In general, the live vaccines we, we try to avoid in pregnancy The inactivated ones, if somebody's in their second and third trimester, we're not as concerned about. If we have to give something in the first trimester, then we do. If somebody does not have the option of putting off a trip, uh, then we will certainly give somebody who is pregnant a vaccine, particularly an inactivated one. Occasionally, people will give the yellow fever vaccine to a pregnant woman, particularly if she's in her second or third trimester, if there is no way that she can prevent from being exposed to yellow fever. There are certain areas in the world where a yellow fever vaccine certificate is required by law, but we know the risk to the individual traveling there is minimal. In those circumstances or where that when they're just transiting an area and they need it just for regulatory purposes, we will give the individual what's called a medical waiver that they carry with them. That is a letter on physician letterhead explaining that the vaccine is medically contraindicated in the individual so that they can get through the, the government process. Can any physician write that waiver, or does it look better on CDC stationery? It's not done on CDC stationery. It is done in the physician's offices here in the United States, and any physician can do that. Oh, really? I yes. just figured that CDC stationery would look better, <laughs> <laughs> especially as somebody, uh, you know, a customs official outside of the country. So in listening to you, you it has been done in recorded history to give the yellow fever vaccine to a currently pregnant patient. Yes, it has been done, and in most circumstances, there have been no problems. I believe there's only been maybe one or very, very few reported cases. I I believe where infant was discovered to have antibodies to the yellow fever, but did not develop encephalitis or any problems. We worry, however, in very young infancy, in giving the vaccine, it is not recommended for those below the age of nine months currently. Sometimes it is given between six and nine months, but nobody likes to do that either because there have been cases of neurologic events in encephalitis in very young infants who have received the vaccine. Any other vaccines that are live viruses and should generally be avoided in pregnancy that are commonly used for travelers? The oral typhoid vaccine is a live vaccine, although Adverse events haven't been reported that I am aware of in pregnant women. Because it's a live vaccine, it's not recommended on theoretical grounds. I mean, certainly measles and MR is something that one doesn't like to give. But as far as other live virus vaccines for travel, I'm not aware of any others. Are you aware of any programs underway right now to develop future vaccines that would be useful for travelers? There have been tremendous efforts with regard to malaria vaccines. 
although none have shown themselves as of yet to be useful. There's research into a dengue virus vaccine, and that would be extremely useful as well. Dengue virus is transmitted by mosquitoes in most tropical areas of the world and does cause severe viral illness in a lot of people. And it's in the disease, it's in epidemic proportions in many areas of the world and increasing. So that would be very, very helpful to have as well. I want to thank Dr. Phyllis Kozarski, a nationally recognized expert on travel medicine, and one of the editors of Yellow Book, who has been our guest. We have been discussing immunizations for travel. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Be safe. Be informed. For questions and comments about this program, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.